0: Today I'm gonna to talk about the broken social contract. So a few people are aware of kind of what a social contract is, most people don't see the way we live our lives in that context or that framing. So today I'm gonna to explain what it is, why it's broken, and hopefully it'll give you some understanding as to what's gonna happen going forward and maybe build more certainty around the actions that you take. I was going to flesh this out a bit more and really make it easier for people to understand, but I feel like with everything that's happening kind of with the wars um, or the war in Ukraine and the fact that these guys are some of the biggest wheat producers uh, and energy producers in the world, it's going to cause some real havoc. So I've got to turn my mind to that in the coming weeks and figure out what's going to happen. In my view, we were heading for recession anyway this year. So it probably tells you some bad things are going to happen. In terms of, is that going to all fall over now? I don't know. I still think there's a good chance we're going to get get a boom in the markets before the final crash comes. Anyhow... I'll leave you hanging on that one till next time. Back to the social contract. So what is the social contract? Well, a social contract is simply an agreement between the rulers and the ruled. there have always been these agreements. Generally, there have been something along the lines of the ruler or the rulers protect and the ruled contribute by farming or being a soldier or something the ruled also give up certain freedoms this is why they're ruled later on i'm going to link this important point back to current day events as things have evolved and life has become more complex so has the social contract and they are different depending on where you are in the world the social contract has been in australia you work hard governments get to tax you you obey the law of the land you get to have a home paid out by retirement, then the chance to save for retirement, and if you fall short, you'll get a mega pension, but it will sustain you. Today, I'm gonna try and take a different perspective and I'm gonna look at the rise and fall of societies and see how the social contract is interwoven and bring it into where we are now. As I said, I think this is important because if you understand where we are in time, then it will allow you to make better decisions. The story of the rise and fall of vampires basically goes something like, you start with ascending. So it's new. There's lots of people and money coming in. So you get like a frontier. You get like the wild west. Everyone's immigrating over. So for example, America pre-1900 or China in the 90s and the early 2000s. This is the rise to power because obviously all the capital is coming and all the opportunity is there i potentially argued that our rise was the late baby boomer generation we had a population increase from immigration post-war immigrants work their ass off when they get given opportunities in other words they create a lot of productivity so we had that boom from the productivity but we also had the baby boom. So we had a population surge from the baby boom as well. We had sustained periods of peace. So we didn't have any world wars. So we had a massive growth opportunities. And this led to the next part, which is prospering. So when you're prospering, it's very basic. Everyone has the opportunity to have what they need. Shelter in the form of a home food, health, education, probably a number of other things in there, but you get what I mean. Small business is really moving along. So the only way I can get you to understand of how that works is if you've ever watched a movie where it's kind of set in medieval times or older times and a journeyman or someone walks into a town, you can see a small bustling... Um, business economy going off like you can hear you can hear blacksmiths you can hear people rushing past with carrying goods over their shoulders people setting up stalls it's basically a thriving economy that's what a thriving economy is a very diverse small business community and that's worth thinking about because if you walk into any local CBD now you don't really see that it's an environment where the barriers to entry are very low. Meaning there's no red tape, there's no government-granted license which keeps the big guys bigger and keeps the little guys out. you got to remember at that time when I say we're prospering as well, we had free education and arguably more fairer work rights, whereas now obviously there's a lot more cost to education and work rights have kind of been jumbled up into... In some cases they favour the worker and then in other cases they favour the employer. One would argue that a lot of this is wrapped up in red tape and actually stymies production. So basically in the stage of prospering we become exceedingly wealthy. Now this is really important to understand because the next part is where things start to change. We get exceedingly wealthy and we start having the ability to be able to borrow. You know, there's a lot of capital around and people are happy to lend. The problem at this stage is that money is easy. And what actually starts happening is people are earning less than what they're spending. This starts at government level. It comes in the form of printing money as a way to pay for things that we really need. For example, a disaster happens like a natural disaster or a pandemic And it becomes acceptable because we need the money, right? It's an important thing to understand here that when governments print more money, it means the money that you hold gets devalued. So for example, in the pandemic, the government printed 20, 30% of the money supply, right? Which means if you hold a dollar, It should decrease in value, meaning inflation should happen and the price of stuff goes up and now you can buy less stuff with your dollar. Basically, they're robbing everyone by making them poorer because it's more acceptable because there is a disaster that they need to pay for. In this stage where there's a lot more money created, a lot more easy money, the system naturally gets more corrupt. Printed money ends up in the hands of the rich. Some money will get even given to the poor which is why they accept it but at the end of the day the money ends up in the hands of the rich this is important because the rich have power and they have influence which means the rich and the rulers start becoming friends sometimes they're the same people and this starts the growing divide between the rich and the poor the way we let this happen is, just as, as, as I said before, our system mollycoddles the poor. and basically tricks the poor into thinking they're getting looked after when they're not. So all in all, what happens at this stage is the prices of assets increase, but wages do not. As I've said before, and we can see this in the house prices, is that our wages can no longer buy the same amount of assets as time goes by. And, and sorry just to jump back and forth here, but going back to people getting molly mollycoddled, this is all a part of the, the extra money printing, right? No one would believe it if they weren't getting a benefit. So the system works out very well because they can give money to the poor. The poor can feel like they're being looked after. And obviously the poor need to spend the money so it ends up back in the hands of the rich as well. Unfortunately, the welfare society as we know it cannot last if there's not enough people actually producing stuff for the government to tax to then pay for the people who need the money. And just to kind of spell this out a bit for you, we as a country are increasing the amount of money we're spending on welfare without increasing the amount of money we earn. So basically we're spending more than what we're earning And that's going on an increasing level as time goes by. So I want you to think about your own personal budget um, as an individual or a family. If you want to spend more than what you owe, you could probably get away with it for a while, depending on your current position. You could get credit cards. You could keep getting more credit cards as time goes by to pay off those credit cards. The lie can go on for quite a while, but at some point in time, the lenders are going to stop and you're going to be unable to pay your debts. This is no different to how things work as a society or a country or or an empire or a kingdom. So at this stage of the rise and fall of societies, people start realizing they're getting screwed on and they don't find it very easy to articulate it because they're being put in the dark a lot of the time. So You get things like populism that arise. You get these politicians that pick one side or another because they know they're going to curry the favor of the people. Unfortunately, what happens is that this populism is basically backed by people of influence. So at the end of the day, the people aren't getting looked after and they start figuring that out. And basically, you see that rise as people getting as people are getting angrier. So you can see that recently through, you know, Skomo going on holidays when the fires weren't that bad and then they got bad after he left. You can see the anger in kind of, you know, you've got Gretel with the climate change. You've got Grace with all of the sorts of issues to deal with women in society. I believe that this is all kind of linked in terms of People are getting angrier because they're collectively getting screwed on by the rich. So what happens in this phase is the existing regimes try to hold on to authority. So they basically become more authoritarian. We can now see in the world, it doesn't matter what side of politics you're on. If you have power, you're becoming more authoritarian. Here in Australia, the left have done a really good job at painting the right as the authoritarians via climate change, women, the immigration debate, and so on. But the last two years has removed that veal. And I feel like politicians and public servants are being exposed now as being self-serving and not really serving the people. And I want to get back to... This all kind of feeds back to the people getting angrier. They're starting to realise this social contract has been broken It was an illusion. The rulers are still taking our freedoms, but they're not protecting us. So let's go back to the social contract in Australia. So basically the social contract in Australia was being able to afford a home. Well, you know, that's pretty obvious that most millennials think we're screwed, which kind of knocks out the ability to plan for retirement. And then the final piece of the puzzle being on a pension where you can survive. Clearly the pension isn't enough for people to survive anymore. So I think people are just realizing that this isn't the case. And and my belief is that this decade, things are more volatile and, and people are just going to keep realizing that they weren't as rich as what they thought they were. And that's going to make people angrier. At this stage of the division, it's not... It's not just one country. It's not here in Australia. The world becomes greatly divided. And in my opinion, the die is being set and things are just going to keep going until they break. Let's have a chat about where we are right now. The social contract has been broken and now we're in a battle for the new social contract. The world just won't end once the old social contract dies. A new one will be made. I won't talk about the new social contract today because it's probably worth revisiting in another episode. I think, however, that it's going to take the best part of a decade to figure out. So like I said, the pattern is set. Many believe we'll all be fine once the pandemic's over. And unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. The whole decade is going to be volatile. The reason why I go into topics like this broken social contract is to give you a framing to understand the world we live in. I've said this before and I'll say it again. People should not rely on anyone else but themselves for their own financial future. Put the responsibility of your own financial future in your own hands. And that's why I do this podcast. Let me just sum up where we are at in terms of here in Australia right now. It's not all doom and gloom. At the end of the day, if there is financial crisis in the world, Australia will still be strong because at the end of the day, we can go to our backyard, we can dig up a heap of minerals or, ore or precious metals or whatever and sell it to the rest of the world. That's the reason why we're the lucky country. The message I want to send is to people out there. A lot of these people are 40 years old and younger, but a lot of them are older We've been living in a paradigm of wealth for 30 years now. That is very prosperous. I've mentioned this before. We, we form our beliefs from our experiences. So if you're 40, you can't remember a recession, right? So all your beliefs are built around living through prospering times. The unfortunate side of living through prospering times is that we don't know bad times All I can tell you is that bad times will happen eventually, whether it's tomorrow or 20 years time or whenever. My point is that your experiences create your beliefs and your beliefs create your behaviors. So for you to come out financially better than average, you're going to have to use wisdom beyond your years. And that's why I explain it like that. You're going to have to think long and hard. I personally think, I personally think superannuation is not going to help 90% of people, which means the odds are against you. And that's why I think it's important to put your financial future in your own hands. Before I leave you, I don't advertise the podcast or anything like that. It's just a method for me to put down my ideas about the world of finance and put it into some sort of context that tries to make sense. If you enjoy what I'm talking about or you didn't agree with some things, I'd love it if you reached out and let me know. I apologize if this one was a little bit, probably not not as thorough as I would have liked to think it through. I probably need to go back and think through this issue in, in more detail, but I hope it gets you thinking of what you need to do because I know there's a lot of people out there that actually don't do anything. And for the people that don't do anything, you're going to get punished. As I said, next time, we're going to go into the state of the economy. As I said before, we were looking at moving into a recession, maybe end of this year. I think with Russia and Ukraine, we are going for recession faster than that. How fast we go is going is really going to depend on what happens in the coming week or months. What I do know is that The recession was going to come anyway. Recessions always do come. This is obviously going to bring it forward. How do I position myself for that so I can get ahead of the curve is the question. So next time we'll jump into that. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.